Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell. I'm Stephen. I'm Joey. And I'm Paul. And this is a podcast about storytelling. So, I don't know. I guess we can just be, we can just say. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, there you go. What what podcast is it? It's the Stories We Don't Tell Stories. podcast. We don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Stories We Don't Tell. And uh, my name is Paul. I'm Joey. I'm Stefan. We're really nailing it. This is great. So what are we doing here? We're doing like a little series. Uh, We thought we'd do a little series about just the process we went through of putting together um, the stories we don't tell book because there was a lot of pieces to it. You know, just the publishing process, the editing process and all of that kind of thing. So Stefan, we have a special guest on this this uh, this particular episode. Can you maybe introduce him? His name is Steve. Steve Hostetter. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so, wait, oh any it, relation? Yeah. Surprisingly, yes. Uh, oh. So I know. What a shock! Surprise guest for the two of you. Uh, it is my father, uh, because for those who may have not known the history of the book, uh, we uh, my dad edited the book. Uh, so the so he. We, we, I remember distinctly, actually, Paul and I were sort of going back and forth about, about just like how to make this all happen. And I just remember this one moment of, of pure, I, was, I, 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 had, I put two and two together that my dad was retiring and that I had this huge amount of editing work to do uh, and, and that he was retiring from being an editor. And I was like, I wonder if my dad would do this. And then he did. It took him six months, apparently, or six weeks, sorry, six weeks of near, honestly, he was working like basically full days. Like it was a fair amount of work. We appreciate all of his work. And um, I mean, we do, but it also kind of sounds like we did him a favor. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. As, as, as the interview will, will, will show, uh, you're welcome, Dad. But <laughs> that we'll throw to our conversation with Steve. I guess maybe what, 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 where we'll start is just like, where uh, are you coming from? You know, when you started this process, when we asked you to do this, what, uh, you know, you're, you've, you're work, you work as an, as an editor, what kind of stuff are you usually working on? And then like, what, uh, you know, what, why did you say yes to this, to this, to, to working with us on this job? Because uh, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> I- I, um, well, I, I had just retired at the end of May. Mm-hmm. And so I think Stefan sort of thought of this as a make work project for me. <laughs> it, like the first one of my retirement. So, yeah. Um, so I think, it, I think it started in June, didn't it? Stefan? And um, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We, I, I distinctly, yeah. It happened, I think shortly after that. Yeah. Well, the kind of work that I did was, was legal publishing. And so it was a very different kind of, of editing. I had never, well, never done sort of stories, mm-hmm. certainly not novels or anything like that. And, uh, and you know, I'd done newsletters and, and more legal stuff and research. And so it was, uh, it was, it was quite different. You know, mm-hmm. the, the strictures of, of legal editing are quite different from, you know, probably anything else. Well, there definitely was a few stories that just me, I was going, oh, I wonder, wonder what Steve will think about must be thinking, what are these guys doing? Because <laughs> some of the stories are a little, uh, you know, they're they're very different from from legal textbooks. That's what made it interesting. Yeah, 
I was going to ask, like, what was it like to basically read like adult journals? Because I feel like in relation to what you had been reading, it might be that kind of like uh, very personal accounts. Well, I just I just I found it. I found it fascinating, I think, to uh, to sort of feel like, you know, you were sort of inside the head of, of all these different people. And and, you know, the way they told the stories um, was very different, like very individual. You couldn't impose any kind of a style on, on the stories and, and I wasn't supposed to do that anyway. So I just sort of took what they, what they, uh, what was written there as, as uh, you know, somebody's, obviously it was somebody's story. Some of it puzzled me, but n- nothing I wouldn't, I would say shocked me really or anything like that. It, it uh, I was mostly thinking of, you know, some of the, some of the direction that Stefan had given me, I guess, in, uh, in how I was to approach these, which essentially at, at, at first was to do just, just a very light copy edit, which was, you know, in his mind, correcting typos or, or sometimes inconsistencies and that sort of thing. And so sometimes it became a little bit more than that, but, uh, but that was sort of what I had in mind starting up, which in that sense was, was sometimes close to what, you know, I was bound to do in legal editing because there again, we aren't supposed to be um, acting as any substantive editors. And that was the case in this, in this instance as well. Well, that's, that's uh, something that I thought as, as a, for a job for an editor, it must have been, it's tricky because we're, you're not dealing with one author here. You're dealing with like, I don't know, Stefan, how many were there? Like, like 48 people. Yeah. 48 people. So it's like all these individual voices. And, and the tricky thing for all of us, I think was, to like retain those voices, but then also have some kind of, not necessarily maybe in tone or like style, but to bring some kind of consistency, you know, across the the board. So, you know, we thought in the editing that that's where that could kind of come in. They were so different in some ways, the emotion that came across um, in, in some of the stories and, and, and sort of the very matter of fact way that other stories were being told, they were, you know, they, that way they were all the tone was was uh was 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 quite different um in each one i wasn't looking really to 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 try to to make it a coherent kind of um project it was i th- i think if 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 i wasn't clear on 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 what was being said or if i thought it wasn't expressed you know if it was muddled in some way if i thought i knew um, how I might clarify it with with just a you know a, a change in the phrase, I would suggest that as a change. I wouldn't make it. I would suggest it, and then Stefan would uh, you know I'd, I'd send it back to him that way and say you know sort of highlight the part that that I was unclear about and say you know could it be said this way or maybe or maybe suggest another way. The interesting thing is the conversation Stefan said that the two of you were having sometimes where there's stories that were written but they were also like presented and spoken and so I know the clarity um, thing was something where you would sometimes just throw it back to Stefan and be like okay because then again Stefan's coming at it from like being had he was in the room when the story was told and so know a little bit what the intention might have might have been yeah that was where I I guess I had a bit of a disadvantage because I wasn't there for um, 99% of those stories 
Mm-hmm. I might have been there for one or two, but <laughs> that was about it. But but yes, that that was true. I remember I remember him saying that that he understood what I in some cases what I didn't because he had heard it and in, 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 in verbal form spoken and it was clear to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah I can understand that. So that that's why that kind of back and forth was helpful for for me. Uh, and 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 sometimes you know like some of the ex- ways of expressing just that I was unclear about just, just had to be let go. Cause he said, yeah, that was, that, that was the way it was. Right. Right. Stefan, do you remember an example about that? I, what I remember specifically there was that there were a few that were actually just straight transcribed mm-hmm. rather than actually the, because we had to transcribe them first rather than audio. And those ones were perhaps the most difficult mm-hmm. because there was no element of, of switching it, it was a lot, it took actually more work to try to make it make some sense sometimes because what people said was further along. Mm -hmm. And there were a few times where I actually had to, I went back to the original audio and actually just listened to the the part of the story again to try to figure out what was trying to be conveyed. Um, Sometimes it's just in the inflections in the way people would say something or they talk and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, there were one or two times where I definitely I went back all the way and just and it was like, oh, and then that point I'd be like, oh, okay, this is where they were going, and then that made sense again. But it was there were definitely a few times where I took some questions. That was one uh, place where I uh, in my work I had a you know a little bit of experience with that because there was one journal that I worked on that they were transcribed speeches and that we were putting into to essay form and sometimes. Uh, and that was literally transcribed with with every little pause and uh, and all that. It was just it was right there and and repetition, you know, a lot of repetition that that had to be sort of cleaned up. But that was you know that was a speech. It wasn't telling the story, mm-hmm. so that was a little bit easier to deal with. Stefan was telling me that you're because we were trying we were doing everything online because there was a bunch of people that were kind of working on this. But you like to edit on paper. Is that is that right? Yes. What is it about? Do you need to sort of be able to take it somewhere or you know have it there or write you like to write what's what's your process with with that part of the editing i developed um as as i went along i mean stefan was sending me like maybe uh 15 to 18 stories at a time mm-hmm. and um so what i did was i print i printed them out went through each story and then just marked up the easy stuff on on paper i'd go through the whole batch whether it's 15 or 18 stories and then I'd go back a second time to each one, already being familiar with it and already sort of worried over any typos or, or in some cases it was um, maybe combining paragraphs and that sort of thing, just little formatting issues like that. And then I would see uh, often more substantive questions where I saw you know, an, an inconsistency or, or, um, or something else in the story that seemed garbled or unclear. And I would mark that. And if, like I said, if, if I thought at that point, if I thought that I had a better way of expressing it, then I would put that question sort of on the side, like track changes. And then I'd put all those changes back into the Word file. The minor stuff, Stefan didn't want to see. So I didn't, I didn't mark every, every single little comma or, or, or spelling change. But the more substantive stuff with questions, then I would use track changes. And uh, I would do that for each one. And I, I sort of figured that probably on average, my, um, the time that I spent on each story was probably about an hour, mm-hmm. all told. And when I got done with that batch of, of, of stories, then I would send them back, you know, with those uh, questions. There were a few times, I think, where I 
send stuff in an email sort of even in the middle of it rather than sort of wait to send it at the very end because and then and then he would get back to me with uh, with his thoughts so that was that was the process i would read through it at least twice i think often a third time as well just to sort of get the whole picture and then you know before i'd be finished with it cool were there ever times where it felt like there was something missing from it from a story that you would read like the context wasn't quite there i mean stephanie mentioned that you would go oh, yeah, back and listen to a couple of things but but were, you, were there pieces missing for you to actually get stories? Well, there was one big piece missing uh, in one story. Um, Luke. Yeah. Luke, yeah. I was there for his, both of his, the sides of his stories, um, the night that he told those. And, um, and the big thing that was missing was any explanation of what happened in between. Mm. You know, the, the first mountain bike story when he was in university and the second part where he was giving a, uh, a TED talk. So, so I think Stefan went back to Luke and he added a sentence or two about, about uh, his accident and what had happened between those two stories. You know, there were some times where I, I felt as if a story was, as if there was some kind of subtext that, you know, wasn't being stated and, 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 and was missing. And maybe, you know, maybe it had come across orally or, or not. And, and uh, I did see a little bit of that, although, for the most part, they were all pretty clear. I think that's what I'm kind of getting at with that question is, is because since the stories are written down as part of our process, but they're essentially told out loud to an audience, there's such a difference between how things are presented. And so I think that's what I was curious, curious about. It's more so your sense of that process. And so it sounds like sometimes it, uh, sometimes pieces were missing, but for the most part, it, the translation was fine. For the most part, yeah, there were there were a few times where I had more questions about a, a particular story that that uh, you know Stefan and I would discuss and um, and maybe make a few more changes in some cases, but but um, yeah, I I never really felt except with a few, a few exceptions that there were you know significant pieces missing that were were lost sort of in the written version. Not even uh, in the stories by I I um, I made note of of two storytellers. One was Stefan, I think, and the other was Dave. Uh, were there any, any, anything missing from those, those stories? Or how was it, uh, you know, looking at those specific ones? I, th I think the, the well, the, the one story that's, that Stefan had of... Um, of uh, the bus stop love affair. Bus stop, yeah. That was completely new to me. Uh, I think the the, uh, the the Dave and Stefan running for the bus in New York City I had heard before, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or or at least read before. Maybe not. I can't. I can't remember now whether I actually heard Stefan tell the story, mm -hmm. uh, but I certainly had read it. I had heard from Stefan about about you know, a, a little bit about that experience. At that time, he hadn't actually written that story, but he was sort of formulating an idea mm -hmm. in his mind of how he would tell that. You know that journey. Mm -hmm. Dave is, is just an interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, that's, that's just something that I was, I, I was also curious about is that when the whole thing was, was sort of over, we, we had, um, you know, a bunch of, we had a, a party for all of the authors and we had a book launch, we had all these things. And I was kind of just curious what your experience was after, like you said, you didn't, you hadn't heard or, or read or seen most of these stories, yeah. but you kind of like spent some time with all of these people in a way through these stories. And then you kind of met mo like a lot of them 
in person then at some of these parties. Yes, I and did. Yeah. Was that what, what kind of what was that sort of um, experience for you? I mean, Dale was with me on that on that one, um, actually two of those occasions, mm -hmm. and I think we both found it you know pretty interesting to meet to meet some of these people and like to put a face to uh, to the story. It was quite quite interesting to. Um, to meet. I mean, some some of them I I had met before, mm -hmm. uh, if I went to a storytelling event. But um, but but most, yeah, they were uh, were were brand new. No, I I enjoyed that. I, I thought that uh, to put a face on on that personality was was illuminating, to, mm -hmm. in some ways. Do you think you're ever going to take on any more uh, editing of creative writing projects? Depends on if anybody gives me anything. <laughs> I'd always been puzzled most of most of my life, given, given uh, what I had done, I remember reading New Yorker articles, you know, written by longtime editors that worked for the New Yorker and how they would work with authors. And I sort of took from that, editing for them was largely a matter of conversation with the author, more than uh, just sitting down with a pencil and, and, um, and, and just, you know, making changes and whatever they, they yes, they, they did that, but they also, would would uh, often come back to the author with you know pages of questions about you know what they had written or or how they might do it a little bit better or organizing it a little bit differently and that was kind of the way I tried to approach this. The conversation was not with the the writers themselves, but more with Stefan. But he was the one who was more familiar with you know having heard the stories as well. So so I found that yeah quite different from from uh, any of the paid work I ever did. Did you have one that stu stuck out? I don't know if it was because it was one of the last ones that I read, but it was it was by um, the saxophone player about yeah. his journey across America. Reese Morgan's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that might be because uh, it was it was one of the uh, the last ones that I read. But um, I also found re really interesting the um, the guy that that it was almost like a um, a dream where he was. On a on a beach in the Caribbean, and you know, met met an old man who had all these words of wisdom for him. No, that was <laughs> that was quite uh, that was completely different from any of the any of the other stories. I had to ask myself, well, you know, was this really like the other stories? Did it happen just this way, or or yeah. maybe quite not quite that way? But it was still very uh, it was fascinating to read. In any case, it was different. It was it, it was it had a more poetic kind of um, yeah. style to it. Yeah, yes, it did. I'm still trying to get him to write his memoirs. So if you guys want to join me in trying to get my dad to write his memoirs, this the first step of the memoirs writing was this. So I uh, I wait your memoirs, Dad. We've got uh you've got uh you know it's not like we're all stuck inside anyways. Yeah. Why not? Why not perfect time for memoirs? writing. I think I overheard somebody um, ask Steve, and I wondered if it was a a question that was leading to would you like some more work. <laughs> and maybe I'm reading things into this, but I just have to say that he was probably the happiest being he'd been in a long, long time. Oh, it was wow. good for it was good for his head, and he really enjoyed it. So right. uh, just throwing that out there. Hey, it was summertime as well. I was working outside. <laughs> That's true. You were out, <laughs> on, I was working out of on the, the patio on the back the porch. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll have to get another book for you, Dad. We'll uh, we'll have to uh, get working on number two. Yeah, you do. Or you could write your own book again, because I still want your <laughs> memoirs. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Visit storieswedonttell.org 
and like our Facebook page for more information about our monthly events. And for more stories, check out our book, available anywhere books are sold. This episode of the Stories Hotel podcast is brought to you by the Whitma Boys. The Whitma Boys. They'll get you in trouble. You'll never know why. (laughs) 